your your other objective is to survive. As long as it doesn't conflict with the first objective, which is to pass their blockers. Correct. Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate. Relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Rachel is here to talk to us about facing fears, living your life, practicing comfort with discomfort, embracing awkwardness, supporting each other, and of course, playing roller derby. Lots and lots about roller derby. I've been peripherally familiar with roller derby as I have a friend on the Philippines national team, but I do my best to let Rachel tell the story here on Intimate Interactions. Welcome everyone to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Rachel, um, a new friend of mine who I met in a support group. Welcome, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Rachel wanted to chat with us today about how roller derby saved her soul. And I'm very excited to hear all about that. Um, did you want to start with anything specific or did you want to go chronologically? Do you want to tell us our, your, your hero origin story, Rachel? Yeah, let's let's talk about origins because that really all set it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was um, on my own a professional um, and just kind of going through the motions of the rat race as well as I guess dealing with some loneliness uh, and I was it was freeing and exciting to be on my own at the same time there was always just like a, a someone else shaped hole but really what I would find mm-hmm. out is that that was just a a social construct. In other words, I, I, I felt this need or something to go find a person to share my life with or something. I don't know, whatever. But really, it turns out I needed to find something that I was that was going to consume me and challenging and challenge me. And a friend of mine um, invited me to a derby game that was being hosted at the local high school. And I, of course, said yes. What the heck was I doing? There was nothing on my calendar. So I went. And what I saw was a bunch of women being superheroes, doing like superwoman-type stuff on roller skates. And mm-hmm. there was there was structure, but it was pretty much like... <laughs> it was like... <laughs> anyway, um, I sat in what are called the suicide seats where you're bound to get like crashed into by a pack of girls who's flying out of the track. And I remember, I remember the, the sound, the smell, like all of the action. And I remember being <laughs> like, I am so capable of this. I, where do, where do I sign up? Um, and my mind went from like, my mind went instead of looking outside in the world for stuff, that would sort of fill that hole, it turned towards me. Like my camera mm-hmm. actually just turned towards me. And um, life settled down to where I had the availability to go 
um, sign up for a fresh meat recruitment. And um, I ended up signing up with signing up for a, t- a local team that was pretty much the worst, but it was all mm-hmm. heart and it was, it was, it was um, welcoming and, um, and it was scary and it was fun. And it was like, anyway, it just, um, it took me from, it, 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 it helped me um, that, that when that t- camera turned around towards me, it was like everything clicked and it was pretty cool. Yeah. It's uh, so very roller derby in culture for them to be called suicide seats. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of jargon for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, even it's so funny. Cause like, I know roller derby isn't exclusively queer, but like everything about it feels like it's queer in culture somehow. I don't know. I really enjoy it. Yeah. It's definitely queering up. A lot of stuff it's it's basically like it's condoned assault really (laughs) um yeah and definitely it's i mean it it attracts the i think it attracts the misfits it attracts the whether you're a a, a non-gender conforming misfit if that's your misfit category or those who are just looking for those who are who who enjoy challenges uh physically mentally they're they're misfits in a way as well. Not mm-hmm. not everyone's presents with gender mysteries uh, at first, um, but definitely those who live. I mean, there's a lot of librarians who play derby, like front <laughs> front facing, quiet, amazing, intelligent, bright, and then by night they're like, you know, their name is something like, you know. Their, their pun derby name is something like horrific. So um, I was really hoping you were going to give some good examples. Do you have some examples of your favorite derby names? Oh yeah. So, um, so mine was rage hell, which is a pun on. Rage okay. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. I, I think more, more, let's see derby names. Oh, there's a ton of them. I guess, um, I'll, I'll bring some up on the internet as we're speaking because there's a few I can think of, but more than names, I remember um, players out there in like D1 level games who would just like Lauren Much is one of those. She actually doesn't use a derby name, does she? No. She is actually one of like the greatest jammers of all time. Um, but like Bonnie Thunders, um, you know, like icons that. I would kind of study on old like, mm-hmm. tube reels um, mm-hmm. and like try and think, try and look at the track, how they did. And I don't know. I got into it. I got so, into mechanics and all that too. So I very much like Derby and have gone to a couple of matches, but a lot of people will be listening. who haven't gone to matches. Do you want to explain blockers and jammers and the objective of Derby? Oh yeah. So um, in Derby, there's no ball. Like there's no ball. Don't ever ask, is there a ball in Derby? Because there's no ball. Um, <laughs> the people, the people are what you play with. <laughs> the person is the ball. The objective is to pass the opposing team's blocker. There's four on the track that you have to pass, as well as the other jammer. But the objective is to get past essentially a wall. Think of it as football on roller skates where 
you are trying to skate past four very agile, very serious blockers with like thighs of of steel and booties of mm-hmm. steel and you mm-hmm, are, mm-hmm. when you pass them you gain points off of each opposing player that you pass um so you're doing this on a track that i think it's like eight feet wide not really and you're going in sort of a, a counterclockwise direction so the whole thing is moving you're in one big pack of movement um and their job, the, the opponent's job, is to block you. And they can block you by, by, by getting in your way. They can hit you off of the track. They can um, cycle you back so that when you reenter the track, you're way behind everybody else. Your, your other objective is to survive. As long as it doesn't conflict with the first objective, which is to pass their blockers. Correct. Um, exactly. <laughs> Um, survival is second yeah the idea is not to hurt each other the idea is to outsmart each other and in various ways but contact will happen and um i will say that's one of the things like when you go flying and you survive that and you 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 have to go to me it was very cathartic it was like well if i can survive being hit and thrown in the air and landing and get back up why can't i do that always so i think Mm -hmm. women identified people need that experience um in a real controlled safe way whereas like that happens a lot in life to all of us we get knocked to the side we weren't expecting it um but what could we have done better to see that coming or avoid it or if we couldn't have avoided it now that we're we check that we're whole we stand up and we get the hell back in there because we have other people counting on us and we're capable. And the fear mm-hmm. is the is the imaginary thing that you learn, I think, in Derby, which I think is awesome. Like you learn that fear is imaginary in Derby. Correct. Because you have to face your fear. Fear is imaginary. It, there, There's always going to be some biological, um, you know, fight or flight response that we have as, as creatures, but um, as beings. But the fear that you can't do something or get around something is it's made up. It's a story. I believe that. Yeah. I think the, um, the hardest part for me looking at Derby, cause I, I love the idea of Derby is that I kind of want to play, but then the notion of playing Derby against other AMABs scares the hell out of me, even though I've played hockey and football. Well, then I would ask myself, in that situation, um, you have to re- like. Let's say, let's say I had to recruit you, and it was like just my job to recruit sure. you. Come to fresh meat. Um, I guess I would say, were you ever tackled in football? Yeah, definitely. Did you ever slip on your ice skates during hockey? <laughs> I had people knock me off my <laughs> ice skates during hockey. Right, you you've gone flying. Um, I have, yeah. And in both cases, were you wearing padding? Yeah. Less uh, in football. Less in football. Probably not wrist guards in football. Right. And what about knee pads? Yeah, football has knee pads. Oh, do they? Oh, okay. I guess... Um, at the level I was playing at, they did. I guess there's also... There may be... Was there a social fear as well when you were playing football or hockey? 
I feel like there's less social fear because everybody gets knocked down in those sports at some point. Mm. And were there other players that were had just been doing it longer than you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then there were probably some, like, freshies or whatever you want to call them that were, like, just doing their darndest, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was one of those, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And I'd say that Derby is very much the same thing. It's like um, newness is hard and social anxiety is real. Um, fingers crossed you have a supportive group around you um, that cheers you on even when you are you fall on your butt. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the other thing about even hockey or football, I'm not sure if they if anyone said this, but like in Derby they say you have to embrace the awkward did anyone ever say that in football or hockey? In sex education, Reed Mahalko says that. Ah. Well, that's valuable. Um, and one of the things that they – that's that's one of the tenets of Derby is that you have to embrace the awkward because, firstly, when you first get on skates, you look crazy. You look like Bambi. You look – it looks – it's it's right. actually – it's just – oof, it's cringy. Um, <laughs> but then – in order to try new things, in order to do things on skates or do things, whether it's ice skates or roller skates, you got to go for it. And and the first time you go for something, it's going to look <laughs> like real terrible. It's going to look, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think embracing the awkward is another one of those like takeaways from Derby that's like, I, do, I, I use that in my professional life. You know, I know I'm the new guy. I'm about to say something and I have no idea how it's going to be received. But really, I'm just I'm seeking information. I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's part of the fear thing, too. But yeah, that's a really good point. Like part of those life skills of yeah. learning to be comfortable with the discomfort of being new or not good at something. Yes. Absolutely. And I think if you if you're a self-conscious person, um, that would that would get in your way no matter if you're trying derby or anything. Um, that's a made up story too. Mm-hmm. Somebody, the idea of being self-conscious like is a, is that, like a, that voice is, Oh, got it. I think, whoops. Oh, all is well. I just dropped a giant slab of stone, but all is well. <laughs> it did not fall off the table. So hooray. <laughs> well, that was distracting for me. I was definitely like, oh, no, that is going to roll onto the floor and it was going to do damage. And then it did not. Um, Right. We're talking about embracing the awkward. Yeah, we are. Yeah, that's that's sort of part of the show in a lot of ways. Like the whole notion of intimate interactions is like trying to talk about things that are awkward in a way that's like authentic and honest. And for some folks, it's easier than for others. Cause I think mm-hmm. some of us maybe have practiced it more, or we've just had the unfortunate ness of being forced into really awkward situations. And at a certain point you're like, Oh, this actually isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It's like not necessarily good, but it's rarely as bad as you think it's going to be. Do you yeah. think that, do you think that, that what that's one thing we can do as humans for others is just to to take them by the hand and say like you know this might be new but I'm here and I see you and if it gets weird or if you're feeling a certain kind of way <laughs> then you I'll remind you that you have the power to decide what your next move is. Mhm. I think 
yeah like remind each other of like what we intuitively already feel or know yeah why don't we do that enough (laughs) i don't know i feel like it's vulnerable yeah but like life is so short it's true it's honestly it's very true so my partner says says, said to me and, and i actually i've thought about this and and it's true in some cases where i do this thing where I'll either give like unsolicited support or like unsolicited advice. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) And not everyone's into that. Um, Even though it's coming from a place of like love. But um, at the same time, um, I, I, I don't think we're, I, 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 I believe those who say life is short. I haven't had that like life-shaking experience yet that others have where it's like, oh, you realize how long, you know, how, how short a time we have on this planet. But mm-hmm. I take that advice when they say life's short, just give it, do it, say it. Um, because A, it feels good, but B, like, what if that person is just needing that little wind behind them, a little, a little like out of, out of out of human out of there you know um yeah out of them yeah i love you know, it like like out of them like what what if what if they just need to be seen that day yeah um what if we what if we unsolic what what if we offer stuff that's positive in an unsolicited way that is is truly rooted in intention of giving and love instead of holding back um, you know when you express something in a room full of people and there's crickets, like hey guys, mm-hmm. like, like yeah, like say it's stand up meeting or something like that. You're like, how's everyone doing today? Blah, blah blah. And then someone says like, oh well, I'm found out I'm going through a divorce, and they just blurt it out, right? And then there's that yeah. like there's that like silence, dude. Somebody step in and say, whoa, like I got you. Don't leave someone hanging when they say something like that. Yeah, honestly, I think maybe it's the quality of people I hang around. But in general, if someone drops a bomb like that, I'm used to people actually being reasonably supportive. Like there's usually one person around who's reasonably supportive. And it's not always me. (laughs) Good. That's wonderful. But I do try and jump in like I'm sure you would in situations like that, too. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Would. I would because... You know, I've I've gone through a ringer here or there, and man, when you think nobody cares, that really puts you in a dark space. Um, hmm. Yeah. So it's I I think it could be deadly if if people don't extend more. Definitely. Of, of themselves, um, not like hey, come live with me, I got you, but more just like I hear you. Mm-hmm. And I'm here, man. Like that's about it. That's all I gotta say. Or if, if, mm-hmm. if it's a kid, you know, acknowledge and, and acknowledge what they say and acknowledge that it's real and that you hear that and like, yeah, like so and so's taking your stuff from your backpack was crappy. You are not in the wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah, even if a kid is like having a full blown tantrum. Um, you know, rather than telling them to calm down, which is like zero to 10 effective, like it's almost never effective telling a kid to calm down when they're like in the process of still blowing up. 
um, the oh, who are the neuroscientists that I'm always blathering about? Um, Dr. Tina Bryson and the dude she always writes with. Uh, it's it's going to bug me. That's okay. They they have a whole bunch of books they write about parenting. There's like at least four of them in four quadrants. But uh, one of their big takeaways was like, um, for me anyways, and I'm sure it's been said before, um, was to connect and redirect. So like before you try and redirect a child's energy away from like being super explosive, really high intense emotions, you have to connect with them first. So they feel like seen even just a little bit. And then you kind of have that in where you can help redirect that energy to something productive. So it's sort of like getting down on their level. And even if it's something totally frivolous, right? Like, you know, like that, like I can, I can see from like the flushing in your cheeks and like the way you're squeezing your fists that, you know, I'm guessing you're really angry right now. It must really suck when, you know, someone takes away the time you get to have with a ball you're really enjoying dot, dot, dot. Inside voice is like, even if you've already been playing with it really noisily for like 40 minutes. Um, but like what you're yeah. saying to the kid is like, I can yeah. see you're really enjoying this activity and it must be really frustrating to suddenly not have access to that. And like, so long as you give them like, it just, it just makes everything work better from that point on. Cause like you can help connect with them and then you can help like soothe them so they can regulate their body like even listing what you're seeing as to why you're guessing that they're feeling a certain way is a really good way to help them build self-awareness for like oh yeah my fists are clenched right now and that i am angry oh yeah and like my face does feel hot and i am angry i'm just sort of making those connections to help build their emotional intelligence so that they can better regulate without your help that's awesome. No. And I think, do you, I mean, like, do you think we ever lose that need? Like, isn't that? No, I 100% agree with you. We yeah. don't. Also, I should mention I'm not a parent. I've just read a whole bunch of books on them, but yeah. I'm not a parent. So I, I don't get it. Um, I just like have these experiences with my nieces where I try and implement because, you know, being yeah. an uncle or aunt or I don't know what the non-gendered term is for that. Do you know, Rachel? Um ankle no uh ankle i don't mind that that's not bad like ankle is like aunt and uncle <laughs> yeah it's great ankle that's pretty good or uh no or you can just why not just make it like a derby name situation amazing where you could pick your um your uncular or oncular non-binary name you know <laughs> amazing <laughs> like or you could just have them pick it oh that's neat and say, like, hey, I've just been thinking, like, uncle's not working out for me. Yeah. Uh, what do I you would... think we should use instead? Yeah, that's yeah. a really good idea. Invite them in on the process. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. I've, I've pulled up a list of derby names that are amazing that the Internet says are like um, the best. Yeah. Top, top, top names. So top um, shelf. Just, I'll give you five. Okay. Um, Killer Mockingbird. <laughs> Love it. Um, Skate Winslet. <laughs> Kilbo Baggins. Okay. Um, hit and Run. Amazing. And Big Rig. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's dope, dude. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's something that I really like about Derby is that there really is a need for all body types. Yep. And I think that is also something that everyone could use more of, but especially probably femmes. I remember, um, so the, the girl, the, the girl, the woman who introduced me to Derby, um, she, she was commenting on how her, she was sharing on Facebook how her body was changing um, after it had been like a year doing all the drills and all the things. And she mm-hmm. was like, no, the one thing that's happening for sure is like my, my thighs are getting bigger. <laughs> and she's like, maybe like two, three, four years ago, I would have thought this is not the path I want to go down. This is horrible. I got to keep these under control. And her message was actually, I'm, I'm so proud of these things. Um, I am strong. I am busting out of my jeans, but I am strong. I can, I am, I'm a, makes me an awesome blocker. Um, and I have endurance, like all these things. And in Derby, it's the opposite of what, um, I think body, body culture has not mm-hmm. for female identified people. It's actually, uh, especially I, maybe I want to say like even Caucasian maybe is the more specific idea, I, t- a type I'm body type I'm talking about where it's like, you know, um, when your thighs, like thigh gap is somehow like a, um, the goal. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Like a goal. Um, whereas in derbs, you know, it's, it's opposite. So whatever you thought you knew about body image and body type, it goes out the window. It's all, it's all made up. Um, Sure. And I mean, for people who do just have, you know, whatever wide set hips, natural (laughs) thigh gap, like no one's, no one's saying you shouldn't look like that. It's just that all body types are sort of welcome that, you know, if you work out and you get super strong and have endurance and somehow also have thigh gap like that, no one's going to be upset about that. No. It's, right. I just, that's something I love about just the queer communities in general and also alternative communities like Derby. Cause I do want to hold space for the fact that not everybody who plays Derby is queer. True. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, it is, it's like, it's like this big, um, undoing. It's a world of just undoing all of this social bullshit. Yeah. Like unlearning so that you can learn to be healthier almost. Yeah. It's like. Your even your nemesis at the end of the day in Derby would probably like high five you for getting around them. Um, even though you might hate each other in real life, <laughs> at least you know there's that, that <laughs> level of respect of like, all right, I'll see you, you know. Um, yeah, you, I think. So. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, just like I see you, Bambi. Like I saw, I saw where you've come. I, I saw how I've seen how far you've come. And if you right. can get around me more power to you, that kind of thing. Um, so in a sense, there's a lot of um, women having respect for other women. Mm, yes. One thing, one thing that's not, that's still very present is um, in Derby is uh, that that's remembered and lived by not a majority of the people on your team. In other words, what I found was there was always somebody who was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Personal stuff outside Derby inside. There's only just like, you're going to have like one or two per team. I think in my opinion, uh, who are actually like that, unless, unless I'm wrong. And, and somebody out there is like, Oh hell no. Like we're all 
there doing the doing the things and we leave our personal stuff aside um, right so there's but, like the ideal and then yeah. there's like yeah. the actual like on teams not everybody's gonna have that sort of like derby mindset of like leaving your baggage at the door kind of deal correct okay but that's anywhere you're gonna work that's your family that's like i don't know <laughs> it's just yeah, of course but when you Human get beings. A, a building full of alpha females it's uh, <clears throat> sometimes the important things get lost. Yeah, I can believe that. Anytime there's dominant struggles, important things can get lost. And I think the magic is in having dominant struggles that take place with respect and with, I mean, I think any struggle often requires some degree of courage, but to be able to do it in like a respectful way where everyone sort of walks out all right hopefully better than they were when they walked in even if they're injured you know hey you make a great derby coach oh thank you good i'm learning a lot about sport i think when i was younger it was really hard for me to get into sports even though i played a lot of them strangely because i was playing with other like 15 year old kids who were just like like in hockey they were like well i want to go and score all the goals i want to be the top scorer and i'm like but, like, that's not the goal of the game. Like, the goal of the game isn't for you to be the top scorer. It's to win more games. So, like, I led the team in assists, and people made fun of me for it. And I'm like, it's well, not because I can't shoot. It's because I know on my line there are better shooters. And if they're in better position, I'm always going to take a pass option because it's the right thing to do. Well, and people were like, whatever. You just, you just, and it's just like, it's that whole culture where I'm just like, the point isn't for me to be a top scorer. Like it just bothered me so much sometimes. So I found that there was a little more of that like team feel strangely in football, which was not what I was expecting. But on, on the football team that I was on, there was a lot more of that. Um, everybody needs to be able to take a fall. And then there's also like, everybody has respect for you a little more in that derby sort of way. I found that culture a little more in football, at least on the really? team I was on. Yeah. yeah like there was um, one exercise where, um, the quarterback, who I very much did respect, um, he wasn't a total asshole to me like a lot of people on that team were because, you know, I was a nerd in high school. Um, but he he was doing this exercise where he would kick the ball and then everyone would tackle the person who caught the ball. Um, and at one point, he just threw the ball straight at me and I caught it. And it was a really interesting moment because it was like I was not comfortable with being tackled before that. And I was a lot more comfortable with being tackled after that. And I think some people actually respected me more um, because I actually made it like a decent way down the like 20 yard strip we were practicing on. Like nice. I didn't. Yeah. So like it wasn't it was something I was afraid of. It was something I faced. You moved yes. the ball when you had all these people after you. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I also didn't like panic. Like, I caught the ball uh -huh. and was like, I am dead. What can I do before I am right dead? <laughs> right. So, and then, I, and then I got up. Did that quarterback look you in the eye before they threw the ball? Yes. Okay. And then looked me in the eyes afterwards and was like, that was good. And that was all they had to say. It was just like, it was like an acceptance. And oh, oh, that's dope. Yeah. It was like a sense of, like, team and, and leadership that I think made it easier for me to be on that team because once the quarterback was able to like visibly demonstrate he had some respect for me, it made it easier for me to be on the team. Mm. 
it's like a it's like a sign off you know like yeah that's so great that's that that was that was really um important they did that obviously it's something you remember and carry with you all these years later yeah that's a really good point I'm also super proud that I led the team in assists in hockey. That's not easy to do, but also people were really selfish because we were all kids. <laughs> well, I imagine someone doing that is a little bit calmer than everybody else, is able to see potential plays, is able to kind of like calmly, like just keep keep it moving towards the goal and then just picking the right, like seeing what others can't. Does that make sense? I mean, that was, that was, that's certainly like in my most flattering, um, ideas of myself then as a teenager, perhaps I thought those things, <laughs> I think I just was really good at passing and I, I did really, really want to be a playmaker. I think, in fact, there were awards that got given out like fake awards on the team for like yeah. everybody to have participation awards, but the, it only happened one of the three years I played hockey and the coach actually thought about what embodied us as players and gave us awards and i was really really hoping to get the playmaker award but unfortunately there were also other good playmakers on my team or fortunately for that matter because it's always good to be around people who are at least as good or better than you at what you're trying to do like that's how you learn um and they gave me the fan as as a trophy because i would cheer people on from the bench all of the time and uh, I got made fun of pretty hard for being labeled the fan on the team. Mm-hmm. I don't think that award was very well thought through by the coach then. I don't think it was. <laughs> I remember thinking that. I'm like, everybody got something positive, and then I got the fan, which is positive and it is important, but also, like, it kind of pretends that you're not really playing. And I'm like, I'm playing, I promise. Right. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Well, that's okay. You had to come up with your derby, your derby prizes. Like so, so that happens in derby too. Like every game, uh, the the team that's hosting is responsible for um, making the MVP awards for um, for that game. And in other words, like they come in all shapes and sizes. It could be like a a shot glass to like a something made off of Pinterest, like just whatever, you know, like doesn't matter, just token. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. and then the MVPs are actually decided by the opposite team. So let's say the away team huddles and they're like, Ooh, I really thought so-and-so was MVP jammer. What do y'all think? And they, you know, talk about it and then they'd pick an MVP blocker and talk about it. And the, the teams present each other. So they're in a way like, I like I liked that element. It gave also it gives you something to strive for as well at each game. Like I want MVP cool. or I want MVP blocker. Like what do I have to do to like do that? You know, it was cool, but it was also cool that they were self they were selected by the opponents, which I thought was cool. That is really cool. So if, I don't if, know what, if, I don't know what mine would be. I if, guess if we had to come up with like let's say we had a team of humans just just walking through life. Like, not necessarily mm-hmm. playing a game, but just, like, being... Like, if you had a team of, like, ten humans <laughs> to make sure... I already sure thought of my Derby one, even though I've okay. never played Derby. Okay, what would your what would your Derby award be? 
Uh, I think it would be like bat out of hell themed with like a disoriented blind bat somehow in front of four blockers that are all sort of looking over their shoulder. Yes. It would be like an MVP MVP jammer like that, I think. Um, but in terms of humans, so your question was like, what would your MVP award be for like as humans? Yeah. What would the title of it be? Say you had to give it out on a monthly basis to, to your, other people, to your circle, to your small circle of people. Okay. Um, <laughs> my immediate feeling is it should be like most emotional um, laundry washed and it should be like a person carrying a hamper full of like really big feelings so there would be like a hamper and it would have like a, a big sad and like a you know like that kind of thing in recognition of their of their deep sacrifice and service to their to their circle of friends I love it Yes, most emotionally you laborious. Sure you should you should make one. Yeah, now I'm now I'm now I'm thinking. I'm like, what else could it be? It could be like a person with like a pickaxe right. that's like swinging it with like a huge, intense expression on their face towards like a big word sad. I'm not really sure, but uh, yeah, something to do around people in my group who do a lot of emotional labor. I like the laundry aspect of that. Oh, or it could be like um, best spoon dishwasher. Mm -hmm. Could be like for folks listening who aren't already 100% familiar with the whole idea of spoons as units of emotional currency that we have. They're sort of like fucks to give. How many spoons do you have? (laughs) Sometimes we say spoons get dirty and that we wash them and then we have spoons again to use on brushing our teeth or putting on clothes or taking showers or getting ready to exit the building, getting out of the house. Cause for some of us that takes more spoons than others, depending on various things, how ableist our buildings are, etc. Um, yeah. So, so best I'm spoon dishwasher. I'm picturing like, you know, the old, like, the good old like trophy that you would get at a tournament with like, it's like a cylinder on a marble block, you know? Yep. But like on the top, there's just like this fan of golden spoons. Amazing. Right. Or it could be, um, I was thinking I was channeling my inner, the tick from that comic book where he shouts spoon and holds a spoon. Um, but it could be like a superhero holding a spoon up. I love it. That's all I got. Speaking of trophies, so firstly, my inner circle trophy, if I had to give one out, like, once a month to my circle, you know when, you know that position you take to hoist somebody up where you're down on one knee and you have your hands interlaced yeah. and they're stepping into them? Giving someone a boost. Yes, that would be my, my trophy shape. Ah, that's great. And speaking of trophy shapes, Google it uh, as you will, but the, the I, I just got to, I just got to. I'm going to, um, about, about the Derby trophy for, for champs. And this is like the women's flat track Derby association champion tournament, Mm -hmm. right? Like the highest you can go in the U S or is it U S yeah, no. Well, okay. North America. Is it North America? Whatever. Um, (laughs) sure. It's North North America. Uh, Let's call it North America. Um, cause yeah, I think it's North America. Either way, if you if you 
Google the Hydra Trophy. H-Y-R-D-A Trophy. Um, it's super lackluster. It's like... It's like... It needs something. I don't actually see any trophy. Okay, go to Wikipedia. Hydra Roller Derby Trophy. No, just do Hydra Trophy. H-Y-D-R-A Trophy. H-Y-D-R-A Trophy. Okay. Does this say... I am searching on Google. Hydra Trophy. Official Feed the Beast Wiki? It doesn't look right. Oh, there we go. Hydra Trophy. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. It's on Wikipedia. You were right. Um, yeah, it could it could use something. It what? is just a roller yeah. skate on, like, a twisted piece of metal <laughs> on, like, an oval-shaped base. So it's like a track and right. then presumably a starting line that winds up into a roller derby skate. The lace detail is pretty cool, but <laughs> I like definitely you're... could have done more. I mean like there's no like it could be like a skate with flames coming out the back there's just something yes wackadoo about this now i could be shitting on this and then find out that these are like somehow handmade by like an og skater using uh an oven and and forging tools you know and i i'm gonna eat my words and feel really bad and sad that i even said anything but like what's happening here (laughs) where's the power like where's the where's the sweat where's the sacrifice that all these humans made to get this thing Mm -hmm. i mean derby isn't derby is is no one pays you to play if you get a sponsorship that's quite rare so like you're yeah you're buying your plane tickets you're buying your gear you're buying all the uniforms you're buying you know hotel rooms like you like what's going on here you also bought this trophy. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyway, sorry about. So, look, it it was a natural segue, um, but it's not even like gold. Yeah, so it's the Women's Flat Track Derby Association, which was founded in the U.S. and proclaims itself to be the international organization for the whole world of flat track roller derby. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's like the World Series, which is like United States baseball, and it's just called the world, or if it's actually like flat track derby is like an American sport that is like centered there. Not a hundred percent sure, but that would be my guess. Yeah. So from my understanding, it is, it is a global association and there are flat track derby players all over the world. But when it comes, when it comes to like organizing the, there's like regionals, there's, there's North Americans, there's, um, internationals. Yeah. Um, but who all will play on a flat track and agree to those rule, that rule set for sure. And then right. there's other forms of derby that are a little bit less regulated, um, which in, I, 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 that's my only one comment about flat track derby rules. It's like every, it feels like real life where like every single thing is regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that really as a privileged, um, white person i suppose um but there's just a lot in derby that seems like it's from 
a lot of it's for safety. Totally get it. But then they'll change mm-hmm. the rules like on a yearly basis, which then make it unsafe, for example, for referees. And so I just, <laughs> I, I wonder about, I wonder about that, that over-regulation of, of stuff. Um, a lot of times you have to like evolve to answer, to, to account for, for gaps, but like, there's nothing, there's no aspect of Derby that is unre- that is unregulated. So Got for it. that reason, I'm just like, tell me about this other type of Derby again. <laughs> sure. That isn't quite as heavily regulated. If that's the one, if you're any kind of like a socially conscious person, um, that I think the rules are, were, are, I don't know if the rules are necessarily um if they if they've evolved because skaters helped write the rules or if it's non-skating people writing the rules i'm not sure i think it's pretty good that you can't tell like that says something positive i think if if i were to take a guess it would be non-skating people writing these rules fair enough i don't know fair enough all right well do you have any uh closing comments on roller derby before we roll over to another episode um i guess or any advice for new yeah, folks wanting yeah, to take up roller derby? In closing, I think, yes. Would I recommend roller derby as a way to look inward and grow yourself? Yes. But I think that what I learned from derby was I got involved in something that consumed me, that benefited me, and it wasn't some another person. In other words, I hope, mm-hmm. I wish everyone that opportunity to go have the time, have the space, have the resources to go and find that thing that consumes you and lets you grow at your own pace, lets you stretch your abilities, lets you be a superhero, whether that's intellectually or physically, um, because it will really, it will carry you through um, what you believe to be an absence of a partner or loneliness or whatever that is. Um, So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us about roller derby. Thanks for hearing me. I appreciate it. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash Intimate Victor, or tweet me at Intimate Victor, or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at Intimate Victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie, Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well.